All right, Father Jonathan, I think we are no longer wearing green. Father David, we are approaching, well, nay, this week we're talking about the first Sunday of Lent. Yes, happy penitential season. Uh, we've made it another full circle. Uh, I remember actually we are. talking about Lent last year, so um, it's going <laughs> to pick it back up again. Well, did Lent ever really end last year? Ooh, yeah. That was kind of a big theme last year of like, People were even calling it the Great Lent, um, yeah, which is fine. I think it's a little bit melodramatic, but I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think there's a reason why people were saying that, and there's some truth mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's a little bit, like, expired because COVID is still, <laughs> you know, a yeah. thing. I mean, so I would never say it. Right. So, anyway, we're back in Lent, and I uh, got to <laughs> tell you, I'm a little bit uh, surprised that we're, <laughs> we're back here so quickly. Um, after, uh, finishing off only five Sundays of, of, uh, or six Sundays of ordinary time. Six. Yeah. Six Sundays. Yeah. Uh, I imagine did you preach I did. Yeah. I was going to have two masses, but I ended up just having one. Um, it was good. I, I took a page out of your book and I decided to exhort the faithful to go to confession. Boom. Um, Boom. and I think it ended up being a really good homily. It was only about six minutes. Um, but it felt fine. That's the perfect yeah, length. It felt fine. It felt good. I, I made a whole thing about, um, really a lot of what we talked about, about how Jesus wants to heal us and, um, yeah. and how connecting it to the previous week's gospel, like the, the same language is being used here of like, he gets near, he reaches out, he heals, he lifts up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I had a whole thing, and I brought in your your whole thing about how connecting it to Leviticus is helpful because it gives us the visceral nature of our circumstance, and that's good. And Jesus doesn't mm-hmm. shy away from it. Um, yeah. So then I exhorted to confession, which was a good way to end it. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. You know, I had this really interesting thought. I was talking with some of um, our other priest friends this morning, um, just about their own homilies, and since I didn't preach, I, I had a couple of thoughts to offer. And one of the things that I was really struck by was the the way in which so in the in the gospel story Jesus touches the mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. And like think about how cringy it is when you see people write or tweet or even say Jesus wants to touch you. Mm. Because that's weird. Well, first of all it's weird and second of all we're so scarred by the abuse crisis. That's right. That's right. That something so fundamental to who we are, not just as Christians, but as um, humans, but as human beings, yeah. has become cringy. Cringe. Yeah, no, and I get it, and, and I, I think I just would never tweet something like that because of all of that baggage, and it just doesn't sound right the way well, people speak. But you know? I think, no, exactly, and I think the that's I think that's worth preaching about. I think it it needs to be said out loud that yes, it is cringe to hear that. Uh, and we shouldn't be talking about, you know, father touching people. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but at the same time, we have to recognize that this is f- deeply, deeply fundamental. I got Yeah, to well, I, so I think there's a lot there because you, first off, it's in the text itself for two weeks running. But also, it's, it's precisely like where we are as a society where we cannot, we cannot touch each other. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's live. Like that's live content for, a reflection of like we are in desperate need of being touched, uh, and I think now more than ever we realize that need, um, and Jesus is there to offer that. I, I was thinking about uh, while I was reflecting uh, before mass, 
on that touching, I kept coming back to the image, uh, the Caravaggio of Thomas putting his hand inside Jesus's side. Um, and yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> but I kept thinking like, that's exactly what Jesus wants to do with me. Like yeah. my wound, he wants to stick his hand in like, <laughs> like that's, it's gross, but like, that's, that's what he wants to do, you know? Um, right. One of the things I mentioned in my homily, uh, in this vein is that most of us avoid the sacrament because we think, oh, I don't need that. I'm fine as I am. And it's like, that sounds crazy when you refer to physical health. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't right. need to go see a doctor. It's like, going to see a doctor is not punishment. It's actually a wonderful <laughs> blessing. And like, doctors are the like few people we let touch us in the most mm-hmm. invasive ways, you know? And so, right. and it's like, they touch us precisely to heal, you know, to heal us. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't take the analogy of of how that's been broken any further because I think we can yeah. all imagine yeah. it. But but for sure, for sure. One last, uh, and it, it yeah, just shows. Ahead. I think the the need of, I think the need of it being a homily on reconciliation mm-hmm. because look at the ways in which we've destroyed touch. This yeah, we've destroyed touch. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had one little quick thought. Uh, well, I mentioned in my homily that in Spanish uh, and in French, too, the, the word that we typically use to describe priests is cura. Like, you probably heard that, right? So, like, he's, you can be sacerdote, but you're cura. And that's the same word for healer or healing. And mm. so I mentioned mm. in my homily, it's like, I like it when people call me that because that's how I see myself is participating in the healing work of God, you know? Um, yeah. There's a, there's this old retelling of the gospel from from... German Saxony somewhere called the Hel- Heliand. Uh, and it's Heliand was this old Saxon word for healer. Wow. wow. Yeah. No, it's totally cool. Totally cool. We don't have any healing happening in this uh, upcoming Sunday's readings, but I, I did pitch to the congregation today that Lent is a, is a time for healing. So yeah. how come, like, is there, is it forcing it to ask how this could be not just a penitential season in the like, woe is me sense, but like, penitential for the sake of forgiveness like being healed you know yeah you know i think it there's an interesting way in which we can take this so we've got we've got this story from of the really the end of the flood we're beginning with the end of the right. flood um and god promising that he'll never do this again etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> and you know i i always i always hesitate to preach I mean, okay, I love preaching on Genesis, and especially on the first 12 chapters of Genesis, because they're just so right. great. Uh, but the temptation for us is to over-literalize it mm. uh, and like try to figure out in like a narrative way what God is doing and why God is doing what, you know, it's, it's like, that's not really what this story is mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about the flood, I love, um, I love pointing out to people like when when you when you give your life over to sin and to vice what is the natural consequence death destruction yeah. that's what the people faced in the flood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think there's a wonderful moment here at the end where god is promising you're going to destroy yourselves again but i'm never going to do this to you in the same right, way right 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 no that's good that's good uh sin is going to take over and i think this and i think this is why exactly we we have this this remembering of it from the first letter of St. Peter uh, of this flood, this prefiguration of this, like, okay, all of that is leading up to this one, uh, this moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, this one moment being what? Uh, the the cross. Yeah. 
Christ suffered for sins once, the righteousness for the sake right, of, right. of the unrighteous. Right, right. I will say, too, like, it is... Okay, so I, I totally appreciate all that. Like, you're, you're bringing in sin and the connection with God's redemption, uh, for sure, and how our sin floods us. Now, the, here, here we're going to go back to our age-old problem with preaching seasons, is, like, seasons seem to have uh, a built-in message, like we're gearing up towards the baptism of the candidates, you know, for baptism, the the neophytes. Um, what are they called? The the catechumens. Um, and so like you can read all the readings in light of the preparation for their baptism. Like that's precisely what Lent exists for, you know? It's for uh-huh. them. So like this prefigured baptism, well, because you, catechumens, will be baptized, you know, and so God poured water on all of the sinners so as to heal them from their sin, you know? Um, yeah. So, like, that seems like a flat, like, it's an obvious message, but, like, that seems to be explicitly what this, these readings are driving at, is, like, catechumens know what you're about to undertake, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right that it's that, but, th- I mean, look, this is the beauty of the scripture, that it's not just one yeah. thing. This is not an allegory for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the story of, of us, of God, of God working with right, us. Right, right. Um, and it fits our purposes for bringing people into the church, just like it fits your story of, you know, whatever yeah. it is, of X, Y, yeah, or Z. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, now, we can glean sort of specific things from it, and I think we do that with these with our liturgical seasons. Um, but I don't think we have to be so locked into to say, oh, well, this is what this is for. Right, right. It exists precisely Baptism. for this thing. It's kind of like a, yeah. It's kind of like when you have a feast day for a saint, like like St. Luke, for example, like a feast day for St. Luke. Uh, and the reading is from Paul where he just says the name Luke, you know, in it. And so it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. okay, this is why this was chosen, uh, but, <laughs> but what more is there for us to glean from the text itself? So it's like, these, these could have been yeah. chosen precisely with the gear towards baptism, but, like, there's much more there to be said about us, you know, in the spiritual life. It's kind of like what you're pointing out with the flood. It's like, it's not just, it's not an allegory, but it's not just literal history either. Like, there's more to be right. said there. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, so, okay, confession time. Uh, I don't know if I should say this in public for our listener, um, but I often don't use the readings for saints days mm-hmm. like for on a mm-hmm. weekday because i like the natural flow and, and continuity of the of the lectionary yeah yeah i don't think you're alone uh, in that 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 being said i am almost always surprised at how well the readings fit with this life of the saint and i think it's precisely because the saints are people that fit their lives to the gospel yeah that's a good point yeah i mean you can th- you can read anything you know you can read the genealogy <laughs> and it's like oh yeah luke totally fits into that you know um <laughs> yeah no totally i get that i get that now uh really quick so what are you doing with this gospel man like i so we're not we're not yeah. really we're not ge- so it's short we're not given the temptations like right so <laughs> what right. It, so, here we are uh yeah you know so kind of what we were just talking about like it really does feel like well beginning of lent 40 days (laughs) repent and believe the gospel yeah (laughs) repent and believe the gospel here's 40 days in a desert like there's there just seems to be really flat it's a little (laughs) yeah it's a little too little kind of on the nose like the readings this week you know Uh, yeah which isn't a bad thing i mean sometimes we do need that like here it is (laughs) do this right right (laughs) 
you know, Jesus often, you know, with the rich official, he would say, you know, the God, the gospel, you know, the prophets, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, Moses do that, follow the commandments, right? right. Uh, Start there. And so I think this is, this could be the moment for, for Christians to say that similar line, like, okay, well, here's what we do. (laughs) Repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Start there. Right. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to spin away for a second into something else. Um, I, I want to toss at you the possibility of a theme that runs through not just these readings, but I think I was looking at the lectionary for the remainder of Lent. seems to run through all of the Old Testament readings, and I think I was remembering back to last year. I think we realized that most, that if most if not all of the Old Testament readings during the, the Sundays of Lent kind of parallel the readings for Easter Vigil, um, uh-huh. where you... Oh, okay. You know, and so you like this week we have Noah and the covenant with Noah. Next yeah. week we have the covenant with Abraham. And then after that mm. you have a covenant with Moses. And then after that you have a reading from Chronicles, which is the kings, you know, and then you have a reading from Jeremiah. That's interesting. So like which is the prophets. Yeah. So you have like three patriarchs, uh then you have the kings and then you have the prophets and that gets us ready for holy yeah. holy week. So for the King of Kings. So there's something happening with the first readings all throughout Lent that parallel what happens when we read all of salvation history on Easter Vigil, um, right, even though they're not right. the exact same readings. But the theme is the same, which is what I wanted to throw at you, which is how would you preach about what I think this is about, which is the covenant, how, that God mm-hmm. is establishing now a covenant with you. Like, that's what he says to Noah, you know, and that's what he'll say to Abraham, and that's what he'll say yeah. to David. Um yeah, and like that's that's the yeah, first so, reading. That's the psalm, you know. Yeah, so I have a, I have a thought, and as always, you're gonna have to help me out here. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got a covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the sign that I'm giving you for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and the very and every living creature with you. Okay, okay. Lent is this time of spiritual, I don't want to say darkness, but spiritual... Dryness? Readiness. Um, spiritual recovery, where, where we're meant to kind of recover that sense of, of who we are as, quite bluntly and frankly, sinners um, in desperate need of God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Is this also an opportunity, especially with what you're saying about these readings from the patriarchs and prophets, etc.? Uh, okay, God has made this covenant with us way before we were ever born. Right. God knows you <laughs> before you were. God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so perhaps our Lenten meditation could be on what that actually means for us. What is our response to that? This is something I like to preach on often. And so maybe this is me just trying to reuse things that I like, but like God is calling something pretty spectacular from mm-hmm. us. And we often respond in not so spectacular ways. Right. right. Um, and so this, this healing, this regeneration, this, uh, this grace that we've been given through the signs of these covenants. Well, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. How are you a different creature? Because yeah, of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe to put a, a stronger note on it and kind of think it back to what we said at the beginning is how is your baptism a covenant with God? You know, like you who are baptized have entered into a covenant with God. And this is a time during Lent to kind of take stock of your covenant with God, you know? Right. Um, right. 
like the language of covenant is is unfortunate and i get frustrated with it because it's so rich in the biblical tradition but it kind of becomes a little bit trite in the way that we talk about it. it's mm-hmm. like oh god made a covenant it's like well what what are we talking about here like what what does that yeah. mean you know well, it's the same way that we speak of discernment. I mean, we we want to we want to use this beautiful language of of truly understanding God, God speaking in, in my life and the direction that God is taking me. And we want to boil it down to, well, what am I going to have for lunch? Well, I need to discern. That. No, yeah, that's the worst. And so I think there's I think there's a similar thing hap- that happens with this language of covenant. Like, oh, well, it's just God's promise, right? That's right. cool. See, okay, so I like in the Spanish uh, the the word we use for covenant is alliance. <clears throat> mm, yeah. Well, that really gets at it, that it's it's an agreement between two parties. Yeah, but it's like for a purpose. Like, you don't say yeah, that, like, yeah. when, if you and I form an alliance, that means that we're standing on the <laughs> same side of the line against a common enemy, you uh-huh. know? And so alliance means lining up with that person in to face something. So, like, how am I lined right. up with God? How am I lined up on the same side of the... Same side of the divide against the common threat with God. Like that's the covenant. It's not just like right. we, we know we signed a pact in blood. We did do that, but it's charged with a lot of obligation and a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, we really are. So, and that's that's such a beautiful image because, you know, we want to overly spiritualize this and say, oh well, it's just you know, it's just me and God. Like none of you, uh, none of the other people are are a part of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in reality, this is an agreement. Not just I mean, we use the language between me and God, uh, and God and Abraham or whoever it is. But it's it's a covenant between all of mm-hmm. us that we are all living together and working together mm-hmm. uh, through that alliance, through that grace of baptism. Right. Uh, I- not to. Not to throw you off too much, but but we live in a society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we live in a society with a common enemy. I mean, like we have we have yeah. a common enemy, and that's why we forge an alliance with God to to fight that enemy. Um, right now, like I I could preach on that all day. Like I, but I, I worry that I would get too far afield from like like the gospel here is kind of like limping for me. Like <sighs> yeah, well, well, I don't know. I think the beauty of this gospel is that we've been talking, you know, for the past 20 minutes about this, that, and the other. And, you know, as we like to do, like, what is what is the good news here? What is the takeaway? And I think this is something uh, that the gospel can help us with in its brevity. Like, the Spirit, that's such an interesting word, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the yeah. desert. Uh, like, how am I, sometimes I go unwillingly, but sometimes it's for the best. Mm that the spirit that God knows what is best for mm. me. And a lot of the time that is to step mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could be part of our, of our, of our good news that this is our opportunity to take that step back. You know, I, I often like to bring up my favorite book, the great divorce um, and my favorite part of my favorite book, which is the stampede of the unicorns uh, that all, sometimes all it takes is something like, just to stop to stop you in your tracks and to make you forget about yourself for just a second right. so that God can right. work. Right. And I think and I think that's lent on a on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I think for me, like the parting thought, because I also I circled the the drive him into the desert. I think to be thinking about how like how are how are we beginning this Lent? Are we beginning it sort of haphazardly? Like, oh, I just sort of stumbled mm-hmm. upon a new season. 
or yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. or do I feel myself driven into the desert, into the solitude of my own heart to be with the Lord? Um, but then, like, what I would leave as my parting thought is that that then turns into Jesus then came to Galilee to proclaim the good news. So, like, how right, how right. those forty days of preparation for proclaiming the gospel, which in right. the in the last yeah. two weeks, for example, the healings always ended with the proclamation of the good news, you know? And so mm-hmm. this is similar. Like, how are we being healed in the desert, which is a place of spiritual battle? Uh, but it's for a yeah, purpose. to go preach the good news, for sure. Boom, boom. Cool, man. That's my thought. You got a last one? Repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> Amen. All right, buddy. Till next time.